What is up, Cowboys Nation? Welcome to another episode of The Writer's Block. I am part half of our whole here on The Writer's Block. I'm Jess Navarez with my amazing co-host, Brandon Laurie. You can follow us both on Twitter at Jess Navarez underscore. And then Brandon is right. That's W-R-I-T-E because he writes. And this is The Writer's Block, obviously. And somebody else that writes, who is just such an incredible mind, is actually joining us today, John Machota of The Athletic. John, thank you so much for jumping on today. Mind you guys, we record this on Monday. So John was a trooper, despite the Tony Pollard news that we'll get into. He still jumped on with us, and we just appreciate it so, so much. No problem at all. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, John, we love having you on. We're excited to chat. Um, But real quick, in case people don't know a little bit about about a your background. That is a tongue twister. Um, let us have it. How did you get started? What is your background like? And then how did you get where you are with the athletic? Um, so I moved to Dallas in at the end of 2010. I'm originally from right outside of Detroit. And um, I was doing a bunch of freelance work for the Detroit Free Press and uh, hoping to get hired full time. And um, at one point, one of my bosses there uh, took a job at ESPN and a couple years later was in Dallas and told me if you're willing to move down here, you know, I got plenty of work. I don't know if I'll have anything full time, but, uh, and that was just really excited because it was just something different. And at that time I was my late twenties. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll give it a try. If it doesn't work, I'll just move back to Michigan. So yeah, been here ever since, uh, you know, was doing everything from high schools to, you know, Texas Rangers, Dallas Mavericks, you know, anything I could, you know, help out with, but I always wanted to do Cowboys. And, uh, so yeah, eventually they hired me full-time to do Cowboys at Dallas Morning News. And then, uh, about three years ago, the athletic, uh, you know, came with a outstanding offer and, um, I haven't looked back since love working at the athletic. It's been great. Um, plan on being there as long as they'll have me. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much been it. But yeah, I, and I just, I didn't grow up a Cowboys fan or anything like that, but I do, um, I do love that there's, I love the interest that there is in the team. You know, I mean, obviously I'm, I grew up a Detroit lions fan, obviously knowing the Dallas Cowboys and the brand who doesn't, if you follow the NFL, but there's a part of my job where, yeah, they're not getting to the super bowl, but which would be nice to cover that. That would, I would like that very much. So um, get on that guys. But uh, it just, that everything you write, you feel like people care about, like there's, there's an interest, you know, there's plenty of years that, you know, I followed the Detroit lions and, they're just, they're down years that winning three games. Who really cares if you're writing an article in week, you know, 15. So with the Cowboys, it is, it, it really does, you know, it kind of stokes the fire knowing that hey, whatever you're writing, whatever you're talking about, whatever you're tweeting about, there's a good portion of people out there that care about that. So that's always good. The one thing you, you bring up on uh, about them Cowboys, the podcast that you do for the athletic. Uh, and again, everybody go check out John's work at the athletic. It's, it's impeccable stuff. And the one thing you always mention is when people ask you, you know, do you want to do anything else after this? <laughs> and your answer is always, why would I do anything else? And I think like you brought up just the intrigue around the Cowboys and everything is just, it's very, very under like a, a small microscope. But um, again, there's always something to talk about. So how has that transition been? Like what has been one of your favorite things to car, uh, to cover about this team during your time? I mean, Jerry Jones al- alone is just interesting from a perspective <laughs> of that. There's nothing to compare it to. So um, while the longer I cover him and uh, the more I notice how the fan base is sick of hearing from him, it is one of those things where you can feel that way. And, and I get it. If you don't want to read his quotes, I, I totally get where you're coming from. But from my perspective, 
you know, you go to the combine last week and you're around a lot of NFL writers that I only basically interact with through Twitter. Cause how often do you really see all these people, including a lot of people I work with at, at the athletic and it's very common for, for one of the first things they say to be, I cannot believe that you get the access you do to, to the owner and general manager. And, uh, and while yes, it can be redundant and it can be, um, not as useful as some think it is unique and it is something that I will always have. And I'll always be able to point to. Um, but I would say over the last year, <laughs> and I told him this the other day, uh, the last year has probably been, um, on Fridays, Mike McCarthy has, um, like probably about, you know, like f- five to 10 local writers for an off the record thing at the star. And, uh, it just really cool stuff. Like not, not necessarily just about the Cowboys, but he'll just talk about some old stuff, like with the Packers or working with Joe Montana, things like that. Like I just, I really, I love football. I love sports. So hearing some of that behind the scenes stuff that I know others in the room are probably like, okay, I don't care. Like I eat all that stuff up. And so, um, it's, it's funny. Cause I would have been, I would have been perfect for like the cover the NFL in like the eighties and before just, you know, some of the people I know that did cover Tom Landry and how you could just go to his office and how much access there was then. I got in the back end of it at Valley Ranch. I was in, I, I went out to Valley Ranch for a few years before they moved over to the star. And so you got to take, you got, you got a little bit of, of, of how it used to be, but now you go to the star and it just, it's so, I mean, you can't even get to the area where the players are at without like a PR member taking you there, you know? So uh, it's just a lot different from that way. So basically what I'm getting at is, I love the access if whatever access I can get, whatever behind the scenes stuff I can get, that's my favorite. And then the other thing I will, I will admit, um, and this to a lot of people might seem like, well, yeah, of course, but being in this business, I'm telling you, this is not the case for every writer. Like I love the games to the point where like, there's still moments in games where I get the chills, like depending on like plays that happen and things like that. I still get excited driving to the games all the time. And I can tell you this from people that that cover the team with, they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, why do you even care anymore? But I do, I do love the games. And that's one thing I love about the NFL is that, you know, yeah, they expanded to 17. They can expand it to 20 games, 25. It just, every game matters so much that I just, I really enjoy that part of the NFL, the parody. Uh, there just isn't many of those, you know, with baseball, man, you start out with a rough, you know, first month and a half, you're out of it. And you got to keep going into that locker room and keep trying to come up with story ideas and things like that. Beating. I want no part of that at all. And so the NFL, it's usually pretty, pretty entertaining throughout the entire season. And John, not only was it cool, uh, cool and understatement, right. To be able to have the access to be able to be around, you know, beat writers and staff writers like yourself this season, but to see you guys at work is just such a different ball game as well. I remember uh, being in the press conference when you asked Mike McCarthy, how he felt about being the underdogs. And that was the storyline for the rest of the season. Yeah. So just seeing, you know, your wheels turn and, and seeing you do what you do best and what you obviously love so much was really uh, a surreal moment for, for me this season as well. So little shout out there to you. And then of course your shoe game, was always on point, which we <laughs> talked about uh, pre-recording. But speaking of your guy, Jerry Jones, which uh, you just mentioned, you had a chance to talk to him at the Combine about this, you know, this is last week before the news dropped about franchise tagging Tony Pollard. That ended up happening today. So as we know, the Cowboys have officially put the franchise tag on Tony Pollard for $10.091 million. Um, I don't know what I would do with that amount of money, but uh, they now have until July to work out an extension with him if they choose to do so. Um, At the moment, 
something I was reading earlier, thanks to Chris Halling, one of our fellow BTB staffers. He said the Cowboys running back room is set to hit 27.68 million against the cap this season. That officially makes the Cowboys running back room the highest paid in the NFL right now so far. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to stay this way. But there is talk about Zeke restructuring his contract with the Cowboys or them just releasing him altogether. So, John, was this a good move to put that franchise tag on Tony Pollard? Or do you think they should have just tried to work out that long-term deal uh, going forward? No, I think this is the right way to go about it. Um, the running back position, the shelf life just isn't there um, to, to do long-term deals. So, um, I mean, I would be looking at this as let's get another year out of Tony Pollard. Let's see what he does. Uh, and maybe even entertain a second franchise tag for him, but I'm not trying to do any more long-term deals with running backs. I'm, I'm trying to draft the next guy. And when I say that, I don't even mean the first round. I mean, you know, second, third, fourth round, they found Pollard in the fourth. Um, and it's nothing against these guys. I mean, obviously Ezekiel Lully and Tony Pollard are phenomenal athletes and, and, and they contribute significantly to the team's wins and losses, but, you also got to factor in the value of different positions. Like, for example, when Micah Parsons is going to get paid, you're going to give him whatever is it going to take, and he's going to be the highest paid defensive player in all of football. And so you have to do that. There is no, eh, I don't know, maybe we'll let him go. No, you have to do that. That's That just has to happen. That's going to be a lot of money, you know? And so, uh, and and I see the same similar things, not as much, but I see the similar things with like a CD Lamb and could be with Trayvon Diggs. So to be able to do that, and then Dak's going to need another contract. So to do all those things, um, you got to be cheap in other spots, and you got to you got to find guys in the draft that can kind of contribute. And and as much as it sucks for the running back position, your best value at a running back is the rookie contract. And so, um, you know, the Cowboys said all week out at the combine, whether it's you know Mike McCarthy or Jerry or Steven, that you know they they love Zeke, they want Zeke back, and 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 that's great. But that number has to come down significantly. And so they can say that and, and, and be respectful of Zeke and all of that. But I don't know how they could honestly look at his contract and think that they don't have to do something major, if not just part ways and move on. I mean, those are the tough decisions you have to make. And if they move on from him, much like they did from DeMarcus Ware and Des Bryant, guys that it was tough to move on for for them, uh, then you draft a running back. You draft one, you know, second, third round. And now all of a sudden you go into next off season and maybe you don't have to pay Tony Pollard because you already have this young running back that you're ready to move on with that player. So it's not about just drafting for this team and, and fill, filling the roster spots for this team. It's for the 2024 team, 2025, 2026. Like you have to constantly be looking ahead. So they say they want to have Zeke back, but I'll kind of believe that when I see it. Uh, you bring up a great point with the tag and how I think for the Cowboys, it worked out great where the prices kind of dictated where they were going to go. It kind of painted the picture where Vander Esch at the linebacker position, $20 million. That was going to be way above what they were going to try and pay. Donovan Wilson at 14. Dalton Schultz was the only one, you know, kind of around that 13 range. But again, they just they know how much value uh, Tony Pollard brings to the team, his electric, you know, play on the field. I think that's something that they wanted to bring back. And you mentioned how that when the Cowboys want to kind of draft these value positions and go a little bit cheaper, we've seen them try and do it at the wide receiver position and it doesn't really work out like the true value. And you get a lot more value out of the position is the running back position from the draft where you can pluck a guy from the third or fourth round, like a Pollard, you know, years back. And he's a productive player. And I think this year it maps out perfectly for them to do that. Maybe bring another guy in. So I guess my question is you kind of mentioned Zeke, like sitting here right now, do you think that, 
um, you know, with free agency starting next week, he's on the roster at that point, or do you think that he's not going to be here next season? Um, if I had to bet, I'd say he's not going to be here. Uh, it would not surprise me if he is, but I just think that when you look at the players that they have to pay coming up and his decline in production, they can say whatever they want. I think it's going to be hard for them to, to justify keeping him on the roster at anywhere close to the number he's making right now. And so I think they're going to ask him to take a significant pay cut. And I think it'll be too low for what he'll want and he'll be able to find better money somewhere else. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a done deal by any means, um, but I think it's more likely he's not on the team than he is. You know what I thought was very interesting was hearing Jerry talk at the Combine about uh, Dak Prescott specifically, but how he won't make a move when it comes to quarterback until he sees something that's impacting Dak on the field. And he was very specific on the field. He said that uh, quite a few times. So could this could necessarily be the same kind of mindset that they have with Zeke. Um, to your point, but you're talking about this decline in production with him. Do you feel like Tony Pollard's injury that he had during the playoff game against San Francisco in that second quarter, do you feel like that broken leg and that ankle injury is going to impact him, you know, with some kind of long-term deal or, you know, Jerry was adamant that it's not going to, but based on what you've seen, you know, through your career and covering things like this, do you think that that's going to have any kind of impact for him? I, I mean, let's say he's completely healthy and that injury never even happens. I'm, I still don't think he's getting a long-term deal. I think they want him to play under the tag. And so I don't think that this is a big factor. And and frankly, with the Cowboys, I mean, Dak's injury was far worse than this. And they gave him a, a you know, a four year, $160 million contract. Um, that hasn't, I mean, Michael Gallup's injury, uh, that knee injury is worse than this. And that didn't hesitate them giving him a four year extension. So um, no, I don't think that that'll be an issue here. The, the only thing that I would say for the injury with Tony Pollard is that you got Mike McCarthy calling plays now. So there's going to be some changes to the offense. And so when some of that stuff's being implemented, let's say during OTAs or minicamp, he might not be out on the field for that because he might not be completely all the way back. He could be working off to the side, rehabbing, things like that. I don't think it'll be a big deal because frankly, if you're Mike McCarthy, you're not designing some offense for the local high school. You're designing this offense for your best playmakers to be able to be in a situation to make the best play. So it's more about Mike McCarthy finding ways to get Tony Pollard involved than Tony Pollard picking up Mike McCarthy's offense. I mean, that just, this is professional sports. That's the way it works. It's about the players. So I, and I don't think Tony will have an issue with that anyway. He's a, he's an excellent pass catcher. He's obviously an outstanding running back. It's not like he's one dimensional. And so I don't think he'll have an issue there. I think, you know, I think he'll be back by in time for training camp. It's not like the Cowboys would be playing him in the preseason anyway. So by week one, I don't think that there's going to be any, you know, residual effects from an injury that happened in January. I, I just don't think it's that type of an injury where you would be that concerned about it. And so we're on the topic of Dak Prescott, bringing up his injury, just bringing up Dak in general. One of the biggest storylines this offseason that I'm sure you're tired of talking about, we're tired of hearing about, but it's going to keep coming up is that, you know, we could possibly see the Cowboys go a different direction in quarterback. How likely is that scenario, do you think, overall? And do you feel like the Cowboys are going to go that direction this season, despite Jerry and both? you know, him and Mike McCarthy saying that's not the case. Dak is your guy. Do you feel like this could be the season you see more of a younger talent come in to work under Mike McCarthy and work under Dak? Or do you feel like we're still a season or two away from that? 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're gonna find anybody to replace Dak. I don't think Dak's going anywhere. Uh, he would have to really um, decline to a point where you know you're just you're forced to to go in another direction. And I frankly, I just don't see that happening. I mean, even when the interceptions and things like that got out of control a little bit towards the back half of the season, in terms of the interceptions that you know I thought were on him, even that stuff I think is all able to be cleaned up. Uh, and he's going to be 30 years old. I mean, he's in the prime of his career. Um, is Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes? No. Will he be, ever be Patrick Mahomes? No. But, um, I think that get, getting rid of Dak Prescott to find a new quarterback, the odds are way, way, way higher that you're going to mess this up and end up with a worse quarterback than anyone that's even on Dak's level. So, um, I think that would be a mistake and I don't see Jerry doing something like that either. Um, it would have to be, I feel like if they move on from Dak Prescott, within the next, you know, let's say three to five years, it would have to be a Tony Romo type situation where injuries are, are, are stacking up to where he's missing tons of games. And so you're, you're playing some younger players, or maybe you, maybe you signed a veteran backup and someone else is showing, Hey, they can do just as much as he can for a lot less money. And this guy's not staying healthy. We got to make a move here. But as long as Dak is healthy, he's out there. uh, The offense is moving. I just don't see them going in another direction because he just checks off too many boxes to just think that you're going to find someone that's of his level or better. So believe me, I get the frustration that 49ers game. That's as bad as I've seen him play. I mean, there were plays to be made there in the fourth quarter where the Cowboys could have still won that game. And he just, he didn't play well. He played very poorly, but you, I mean, it's not like you have to dig that far back. Just go back to the game before against Tampa Bay. I know it's not as good of a defense, but man, the level he played at there, that's not a level that just, you know, 25 other quarterbacks are doing. There might be five or six other quarterbacks that can play at that level. So um, injuries stacking up, or let's say this turnover thing, just keep get, getting worse and worse. Like next year, it's like 20. And then that year, then yeah, maybe something like that. But frankly, I just, I've, I've, I've seen too much of Dak, been around him too much. I just don't see that happening. And how do you feel like Mike McCarthy calling the plays this season is going to better Dak Prescott as a quarterback overall? Do you feel like, um, you know, maybe Kellen Moore's scheme wasn't working for Dak? Do you feel like uh, Mike McCarthy jumping in is going to bring more of that experience, even though they're pretty insistent that it's going to be a 30 to 35% change for Dak? Do you think it's going to help? How, in what ways do you think it's going to help him improve? I mean, there's several ways, but for me, I think the biggest one will just be that, um, even though, believe me, they've been great against the NFC East, there's just going to be things that they're not going to do. The tendencies are going to change. There's going to be things that the Cowboys have done for several years now that, like, especially your NFC East teams are seeing you twice a year. They're going to get used to, hey, in this situation, this is what they're always going to do. And that to have a new play caller, there's going to change some things up that even if the plays that are being called, maybe, you know, apples to apples aren't better than maybe a play that Kellen would have called. Just the fact that it's something different, I think will help a lot in terms of just changing things up uh, and, and and making things uh, less predictable. And so I think that'll help there. Plus Mike's a veteran play caller. He's been doing that for a long time. Uh, he's been in a lot of different situations, you know, and, and obviously having Aaron Rodgers helps a lot. So uh, you can't just sit there and go, let me go look back at 2016 Green Bay, 2012 Green Bay, see what they did. That's what the Cowboys are going to do. That's not the case. I mean, it, again, it's a player's league. He's going to have to design plays that are in the best interest for Dak. And so in terms of scheme, I think what you could see is, uh, Let's say, for example, like on a third and 10, when when Dak drops back, I think that there could be 
less options in terms of less reads that he has to make. It's going to be, you know, one, two, three. If this thing isn't here, then you're out, throw it away, live to play another down. Now I want to see that happen because I think that's going to be tough for Dak to do that, to throw the ball away or to just take a sack on third down to just, you know, reduce the chance of a turnover. But that's what Mike's going to try and do. So I'm interested to see how that works out. But I think that, uh, I think his main purpose for Dak is to make make some easy, quick decisions as opposed to some, you know, deeper routes, uh, you know, north-south routes that take a little bit longer to develop, maybe some stuff that's more east-west, that's more quick hitting, things like that, which, again, that's why it's great to have Tony Pollard because one of those options will always be, hey, dump it off to the running back, let the running back get what they can. And, I mean, there's not many running backs that are better at Tony Pollard to dump the ball off to to try and go pick up a first down. So, There'll be, there'll be some differences, but I don't think that we're going to get out there week one and just be like, I've never even seen this offense. What is this? It's like, at the end of the day, you have most of your same offensive line together. You're going to have Tony Pollard. You're going to have CD Lamb. You're going to have Michael Gallup. And you're going to have Dak Prescott. There's only so many things you can do because you're going to want that offense to fit them as best as it possibly can. One of the things we're talking about, Mike McCarthy, with the quarterback position is he's also drafted, has experience with drafting a quarterback um, as sort of like a backup. And um, I, I went back and looked at some of the names and it's not really anything attractive. You know, Engel Martin, Brian Brom, Matt Flynn's the only one that was successful. B.J. Coleman, Brett Hundley, and then XFL starter uh, Ben DiNucci of the Seattle Sea Dragons. We love the nooch. We exactly. Love the yeah. <laughs> but Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. And he has, I have two of his hats, you know, so, you know, even in New Jersey where we're getting the the upside down true brand, but you know, for me, I look at the success of McCarthy drafting a quarterback hasn't really panned out. And depending on what happens with Cooper rush, the Cowboys might be in the market for a backup. And while Will Greer is still on the roster, nobody knows if that's going to be their backup, you know, for this season. So do you have confidence in McCarthy finding the right guy? If, if they want to draft somebody, maybe like a Clayton tune and Aiden O'Connell from Purdue, any of those guys? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think there's a lot of luck involved, to be honest with you, when you're drafting a quarterback like fifth round and later, you know, I mean, um, your system obviously matters, but I think you got to kind of get lucky there, too. So, um, yeah, I kind of think that Cooper Rush is going to probably get offered a little bit better deal with another team. I think Will Greer end up being the backup. And then I think they draft somebody in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round to try and be a guy that they're like, hey, we want to keep you around for the next, you know, three or four years, see if we get can maybe develop you into, I don't know, like a, like a Mike white situation, something like that, where you're like, yeah, we got a solid, solid guy here and we didn't invest a significant pick. Let's see what we can do. Um, but I just, uh, I'm trying to think I would put this the right way. Uh, I just think there's a lot of luck in drafting quarterbacks. I'll be honest with you. I mean, even in conversations I've had with Will McClay, I mean, he'll tell you, it's like, it's not even close. That's the toughest position to hit on, you know? And so every year, you know, like, for example, like, I don't really love any of the quarterbacks in this class, but that doesn't mean three or four aren't going to go in the top 10 or 12. And I don't think anybody would be stunned if five years from now, none of them are even starters. I mean, um, there's just, there's things about every one of them that you're just kind of like, well, I could see that being a struggle in the NFL. Yeah, that's going to be an issue in the NFL. Like, And then there's just so many things behind the scenes as a person that the way you, you know, operate in the way and your discipline and your leadership and all that, that there, I mean, you can get a lot of it from talking to coaches and being at combines and interviewing players, but you really don't know for sure until you're in their building. And then you don't know for sure until, you know, you're actually in a game and how this guy processes when let's be honest, these NFL coaches and players, they're at the best there is at, at figuring out what your strengths are and taking those away. And so um, I think because luck is so heavily involved that the best thing you can do is just, 
get up to the plate and swing the bat. And by doing that, that means take a quarterback, you know, every year, every other year late in the draft. And you know what, maybe, uh, maybe you get a Brock Purdy, you know, but for every one Brock Purdy, there's probably 12 to 15 Ben DiNucci's. Hey, we don't hate the Nooch on this podcast. We are uh, a Ben DiNucci stand podcast over here. Let's Thank go. you, John. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were at the NFL Combine last week, and I'm sure uh, I was going to say you were boots on the ground, but I'm going to say you were really cool shoes on the ground. Right. There you go. <laughs> ever pride you on uh, your yeah. shoe game. But are there any standout guys that you saw at the combine or that maybe you noticed the Cowboys giving a little bit more attention to uh, than others, but some names to maybe have floating around while it is still fresh in the brain from what you saw. Well, before I get to the positives, I'll go with some of the negatives. Ooh, I uh, love as, that. as much as I don't care for the quarterbacks, this wide receiver crew doesn't do much for me either. And when I say that, I don't mean long-term. I mean, long-term, these guys could be some good players, but I'm talking more from a Cowboys perspective of, let's say, you know, most fans out there, I think, I think most of us think the same way people that cover the team and fans that, Hey, what they need are more offensive playmakers. And I'm not talking about an offensive playmaker for like two or three years from now. I'm talking about like that can step in right now. And I just don't see the type of wide receiver that's going to be there at 26. That's just going to be that guy. Um, so when Cowboys fans want them to make a bold move or something to help uh, the offense for 2023, I think that consists of signing or trading for a veteran receiver. I don't look at this, this wide receiver class as anything special. I don't see a CD lamb out of this crew. Like it's fine. I mean, but uh, I thought, I think that that crew is a little bit disappointing uh, running back wise. I mean, yeah, Bijan Robinson, obviously looks the part he's is going to be an outstanding pro, but I don't see him fall into the Cowboys at 26 anyway. So I would say the one position that really stands out to me would be tight end. And, and just the fact of, I know it's a deep class and it's probably the deepest of any group, but it's just the fact that I just got the sense of being out there that the Cowboys are really interested in these tight ends. Now, with that being said, it doesn't necessarily mean it'd be at 26. So like Dane Brugler at the athletic, our draft expert who, I mean, I just think he's the best in the business going into the combine. He had three tight or four tight ends in the top 30 on, on his top 100 ranking. And all of them kind of fall right in that 26 to 30 range. So you'd be thinking, Hey, if it falls out anywhere close to this, that would be kind of one of the best plays. But you look at that and you're like, well, Cowboys, Cowboys haven't taken a tight end in the first round since David LaFleur in like 97. Uh, they took Gavin Escobar's last time they've taken one in the first two rounds in 2013. So that's been a while. And then you go back to, if you just look at Mike McCarthy in Green Bay, I mean, that's a large sample size there, even though he didn't have as much say in the draft process as he does now, but they didn't take any tight ends in the first two rounds. And so, you know, I kind of think it'll be another Dalton Schultz type thing, third, fourth round, add a tight end there who you, you throw him in the mix with Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, Sean McEwen, and you go from there. I still think going in the combine, and I, as I sit here today, I still think that if I'm betting on what the Cowboys do at 26, I just think it's going to be cornerback. I just think that that's where the best value is. Um, and then there's just several reasons why that works. Um, one, uh, you know, I want to see all these players make as much money as they possibly can, but also from a team building standpoint, you want to have leverage when it comes to contracts. So to draft another receiver, I mean, draft another defensive back that can be a starter that gives you that player and Deron Bland. So when you, when you have to go negotiate with Trayvon Diggs, you're not standing there like, Trayvon will give you whatever you want because we have no corners. We absolutely need you. You you need to have some leverage that, hey, all right, well, if you're not going to take this number, then then I guess we'll have to move on, you know, and they don't want to do that. But that's the way building teams work. So 
corner makes the most sense to me at, at 26, but it's also the Cowboys. So you can't rule out offensive linemen. They obviously do very well drafting offensive linemen in the first round. Um, and then I'm, I'm intrigued by like the idea of like a late round quarterback, like whether it be like a Max Duggan or a Stetson Bennett or somebody like that, that maybe they look at as I'm going to use not because of size. They're obviously not the size of Dak Prescott, but one of those guys that they were really good in college that played against a lot of high level college teams that were kind of gamers that kind of showed up. Nobody thinks I'm not saying any of them are going to be even close to a Dak Prescott, but it just like, that's what I saw a little bit of Brock Purdy at Iowa state where you're just like, yeah, he doesn't have the tools and everything for anybody to draft him high. That's why he's the last pick in the draft. But also when then he's thrown into the fire for San Francisco, he doesn't look like this is too much and he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, there's something about that that I, that I really like about, about the quarterbacks uh, in terms of like later round picks. I just, if I'm, if I'm in charge of the Cowboys, I don't want to waste anything in the first three or four rounds on a quarterback. I, there's just too many other spots I'd rather. It's only a kick. A jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, and that's a great point with Brock Purdy because I think that, like you said, experience translates and production translates. And I do think that, um, you know, that's why Anthony Richardson is such an anomaly where, you know, like he has the physical tools, he's a physical specimen, but doesn't have the experience at the college level for quarterbacks. So you're taking, you know, a complete chance on somebody like him. And, you know, you do have a Josh Allen who's translated and has performed really well. But at the same time, I mean, that's like a unicorn as from what I've heard from a lot of people. So you never know. And you were bringing up corner. And I do think like a, a main guy that I like is Emmanuel Forbes. But then when he weighed in at 166, rail thin. Uh, I mean, I know Aisha Morrison, she talks about as well, like the cornerbacks, Bucky Brooks was saying this, Brian brought us as well, that this cornerback class is very tall, very skinny. You know, a lot of guys that are very lean, but that's like Dan Quinn's specialty. Like it's like, you can kind of put a star on all those names. And when you were going through it to me, this feels like one of the first drafts where they did the Tyler Smith pick last year. I know a lot of people were against it. I was one of the ones where I was kind of scratching my head. But the way he developed, they saw something in him that I didn't see and maybe a lot of people didn't. So I have full faith in them this time around. Like, they've kind of got my trust and my faith. So do you feel like that there's really no position outside of maybe quarterback that if they draft, you're kind of just left scratching your head? Or do you feel like very confident whoever they pick is going to be a quality player? Oh, I feel pretty confident whoever they take in the first round is going to be a good player. And and. I was telling a couple other reporters this when we were walking around Indianapolis. I was like, man, when we walked around here these last three years, like if you did a list of the players, we were like, hey, you know, especially we don't get to really watch a lot of the workouts. And frankly, that doesn't matter to me as much. Like the the greatest part would be able to sit down in some of the interviews to hear like how they answer questions. That would fascinate me more than anything. But so I I, I like going to some of the players when they're at the podium, you know, um, and I just was talking about how like, last year at this time, we did not think they were going to take Tyler Smith. And then the year before that, you know, we again thought it was going to be corner thought it would be JC Horn or Patrick Sertan. They take Micah Parsons. I never thought they would have taken Micah Parsons. I mean, and also that's because why would anybody, why would anybody think that they would take a traditional linebacker? Because that's why he was drafted where he was drafted. The idea that like, now you're going to have hindsight's 2020, like, well, no, he's an edge rusher. Well, no, 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 no. If Micah Parsons is an edge rusher, he doesn't fall to 12. He doesn't fall to five. He's gone in the top two or three. He's the first non-quarterback taken. So obviously there's some luck involved there that he ended up being such a monster edge rusher as he has been. 
uh, thanks to him sitting out his that year for COVID and not playing at Penn State because I think he just would have shown the world that yeah this guy's a monster you can't let him slide out of can't even get him anywhere near 10 let alone a trade back to 12 but that's another story so we never would have thought that and then the year before that Mike McCarthy's first year I mean my money would have been on man you tell me Caleb on Chason's there they're taking Caleb on Chason but I didn't think CeeDee Lamb would fall that far I there's no chance I thought that 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 they would take a receiver there because I didn't think that CeeDee had a chance of falling that far and then CD lands there. So um, it was a little bit more predictable in some of the years before that, you know, obviously there were a couple outliers like Morris Claiborne. That was kind of a surprise. Um, but for the most part, you kind of, you know, you're heading down the right direction with since McCarthy's been head coach, man, those first round picks, it's been hard to predict what they've been. And, and, and the reason being is I truly believe that they took the best player available. Like they didn't, it wasn't just all about need for, you can say that for Tyler Smith. Sure. But like, Micah Parsons, CD Lamb. That was those were not their biggest needs. And I look at this Cowboys right roster right now, and you make the argument that CD Lamb and Micah Parsons are the two most valuable players. Definitely. And speaking of valuable, a storyline we cannot seem to escape is our OBJ watch. And uh, <laughs> I am sure you were just so excited for more of that conversation to be brought up. But uh, Jerry did talk about this at the combine. And of course he was asked, but he said that he hasn't had direct contact with him uh, as of lately, but he was talking to his mom and could see uh, kind of why OBJ is like he is. But what is the likelihood that the Cowboys make this big splash with OBJ during free agency period that's going to start officially next week? I mean, I think there's a decent chance that, Odell Beckham ends up with the Cowboys. The thing is, is, you know, I, I just kind of wonder, are you going to be getting the Odell Beckham that he was two years ago? Cause sometimes when Jerry talks about him, you feel like he thinks that they're getting Odell Beckham. that just got done making the one headed catch up in New York, like a week ago or something. And, and I don't think that's the Odell Beckham anymore. Um, but he is a big name and he, I mean, he's got a lot of flash and, he certainly is a uh, big media attraction. And so all of that Jerry loves. And so if all things being equal, oh, I could definitely see Odell Beckham with the Cowboys. I just I just would caution, you know, let's see what what he's going to be. I mean, he didn't play at all last year. And, you know, he's not he's not that young. I mean, he's in, I mean, once you get to 30, uh, I mean, obviously still there's tons of players that play well after that. But you just never really know. It just once you get to that certain age even the physical freaks like, you know, Des Bryant's that where you start seeing them kind of like, Oh, you know, there's just not the same juice that you might've seen. And, you know, all the hits add up, all the injuries add up. And so um, I'd be interested to see what Odell Beckham looks like coming off of this, having not played over a year. So um, yeah, obviously if it happens, they'll get a lot of headlines, but I don't know that that guarantees that, okay, that's your, that's your other playmaker, you know, and I expect Michael Gallup to be better this season being a, a full, you know, you're going in a second year now removed from this ACL injury. So I do think Michael Gallup will perform closer to a number two, like they were expecting this past season. So if, if a kind of a watered down a little bit, Odell Beckham, you know, can be your number three. I don't think that's terrible, especially if the price is right. I just, I think they're going to have to see him do some workouts and things like that to, to feel confident that let's not only invest money here, but this is one of our answers as opposed to maybe offering a little bit more money to someone else, or maybe giving up a pick uh, to a team to get a proven veteran type guy that can step in right away, who is healthy. So Jer Jerry was never going to say like, whether it comes to Odell Beckham or like talking about Des Bryant before he released himself, D Jerry's never going to shut the door on anything that's going to move the needle. 
So even though he didn't have any direct contact with him, he was not going to shut the door and say, yeah, we've moved on from Odell. Jerry just is not wired that way. He's never going to say that. Even if in his mind they have, he's just, he knows that'll get headlines. He knows that that's interesting. So he wants to keep that going. And, and nobody at the star wants Odell Beckham more than Jerry. So, and he's the final decision maker. So that's always going to be a factor there. I just, I don't know, you know, who's the player going to be that they get. I mean, uh, you know, that's, a, that's, that's the big question mark. You're saying uh, the beat writers don't want Odo Beckham to finally write the uh, the stories that you guys are probably uh, <laughs> curating beforehand. <laughs> well, I'm not going to speak for the other ones, but for myself, if he's a good player, I'll take all the baggage that comes with it. I I personally covering the Cowboys for as long as I have, I get annoyed because the Cowboys like to attract baggage on a player that I look there and go, "You're doing it for that guy, really?" I'm not going to go down the names because I I got a list on my phone of them that I'm just like, "What are we doing here anymore?" Uh, but yeah, you want to bring drama and you're playing like, uh, 2014, 15, 16, Des Bryant. Let's go. I'm fine with that. I can handle that all day long. Um, I know some of the other beat writers want no part of it, but I, I can deal with that. You know, you tell me that they're going to bring in a, uh, like a Terrell Owens back when they did, I wasn't covering the team and he's going to perform. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's the best for the team, but I can handle it as a beat writer. The thing that annoys me is when it's a, a guy that you're just like, you should be thankful you're even on this team and, and you're going to be making all this drama. Like, man, that's the one that those are the ones that bother me. So yeah, man, believe me when I heard Odell Beckham was going to be at the American Airlines center and he was going to be at that Mavs game. Yeah. There's no, no, there was no doubt. I was, I was going up there. Oh, I mean, you were I'll, right there. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, all the I'll, yeah, for sure. I'm all about that, but it's when you have to deal with that. And then the player, let's say if it is a wide receiver is giving you like two catches a game for like 20 yards. And you're just like, wait, they're going to do all of that. Like, I mean, it just gets to a point where this is the, this is the example I always use with, uh, my close friends. My, my brother is a big sports fan. So I probably talk his ear off more than anybody. And, uh, one of my favorite movies is training day. And, uh, there's a scene towards the end where Denzel Washington is like, just going off. There's a lot of swear words. I'm not going to repeat or anything like that. And the whole, the whole, like his whole block is out there. And it gets to a point where everyone just kind of like what you're yelling about doesn't even matter anymore. And everyone just turns away and starts walking to their houses like, OK, whatever. And he's still yelling and numbers like we don't care anymore. Like whatever. there's just a lot of that that I go through with like the Cowboys where I'll be like, it gets to a level where you're like, I don't care. No one. You're not doing enough on Sundays for me to care about that anymore. Thank you. I'm out of here. I don't need to stand around your locker or do this anymore. So if, if Odell can ball, bring the drama. I'm fine with that. We appreciate you keeping a PG for the uh, for the yeah, family yeah. audience. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the whole thing that it seemed like that was dominating Cowboys Twitter is this idea of a big move happening. You know, somebody coming in maybe and just a lot of alluding to something maybe around <laughs> the corner. And, you know, I, I was thinking, like, is it OBJ or is it somebody else? I know, like, there's a receiver that's up north who's related to somebody on the team who <laughs> unfollowed his own team and is now following the Cowboys. And that's a big thing. So. You know, do you think something like that can happen? You know, there's a corner out at West that may, might be available. You know, it seems like there's a fire sale happening there. So is this the offseason that you really feel like something like that can happen and try and put the Cowboys over the hump? Absolutely, it can. Um, I don't think it will, though. I just don't get the sense from this past week being out, you know, at the combine of just I don't get the sense that the Cowboys are willing to do business any different than they have been doing it the last few years. And while for myself, I look at it as, you know, you're you're not that far away from, from making that deep playoff run and getting to the Super Bowl. So make that one extra move that, that maybe be the, might just be the difference maker. Whereas I think 
inside the star, they would love for that to happen, but they also balance the whole, well, we just did 12 wins back-to-back seasons. This is going in a good direction. It's been a long time since we've had back-to-back success like this. Mike's been able to have back-to-back success for several years in Green Bay. Let's keep riding this. Let's not shake this up and possibly make a big move that ends up being a huge mistake and set you back. Let's keep this plan rolling so that we don't have any setbacks. And while if that was done in a business sense, like let's say that that's how, uh, let's say you had stock in like Apple and they were doing business like that, I don't think that you'd be that upset. But it's like when it comes to sports and it's fandom and you're cheering on the team, you don't want to be... You don't want your team, especially one that feels like it's knocking on the door and it's been 27 years since you've been to the NFC Championship game in a Super Bowl. You want to see them be a little bit bold. And then on top of that, you see what the Eagles did last offseason and the Rams did the previous offseason and the Bucks the offseason before that. And those are your last three teams that have gotten an NFC, gotten into the NFC Championship game and gotten to the Super Bowl. Like, uh, I, I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive, but I, I just, when, when people talk about a big move, to me, big move is like you said, a Jalen Ramsey, a Mike Evans, a DeAndre Hopkins, um, a Stephon Diggs. But to them, you know, I, I think it's adding OBJ, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe, you know, taking a tight end at 26 or something or, or, or maybe trading up a couple spots to take, you know, somebody that helps on offense. I don't know. But, like, I don't see them thinking of it that way. I don't think they want to put that type of financial uh, – commitment to somebody that could possibly hurt their chances of bringing back CD Trayvon Diggs or Micah Parsons. And as we know, the Cowboys have a laundry list of free agents that will be uh, officially free agents next week. So who are the guys you think that the team is going to prioritize to try and keep if they can? And realistically, who do you think they're, they can keep with, uh, you know, playing this giant game of the price is right. So in terms of prioritize, like I think of that as like, you're going to make a really strong offer that might be the strongest offer on the market. And if that's the parameters, I don't think there's any of them that are like that. I just, the Cowboys are just not, there's nobody they look at that way. Like, for example, we talked at the beginning of the show about Tony Pollard. You know, there's, I think there's teams out there that might've been like, let's really, let's really try and work out like a two, three year deal here with Tony and or Dalton Schultz so we can franchise tag the other. And I mean, being out of the combine, I didn't get any sense that they even cared about the whole idea of bringing Dalton Schultz back and not it's because of the price has gone too high. Not that they wouldn't, they would love to have Dalton Schultz back, but it's just like with Dalton Schultz, I just get the feeling like uh, he's uh, and I wrote about this today on the athletic, like he's getting to that. I have the same feelings about him as I did about Byron Jones going to the 2020 off season where it's like really good player. I'd like to have him back, but you know, two inter- two interceptions in five seasons, like to pay the money that the Dolphins gave him, going to need more production than that. And I think that that's the way they look at Dalton Schultz. Like, man, like this is a guy that's going to get, I don't know, 13, 14, $15 million a year. Whereas you draft a tight end at 26, which would obviously is the highest you would, you would, that's your highest pick. That's 13, $14 million for all for, for your first four years in, in the NFL. So I think they look at the position as like, he's a good player, but I don't think we're going to pay tight end like that. So and then you can just go down the list because the next priorities to me would be Leighton Vanderash, Jonathan Wilson. And I could see other teams being willing to pay more than what I've heard the Cowboys are willing to pay those two guys. You know, I mean, and those are both, those are key. I mean, Donovan Wilson led the team in tackles. He's one of the best defenders on the team. The coaching staff absolutely wants Donovan Wilson back. And then you go to Leighton Vanderash, you're just like, look at how the team played when he wasn't on the field. I know he has some, you know, the neck issues and some injury history and stuff like that. So I'm not sitting here saying giving him a five year deal, but 
if you're moving on from Leighton Vanderash, I'd love to know what your plan is at linebacker because I mean, I think Damone Clark's going to be a good player, but I mean, Jabril Cox is very similar to Michael Gallup's situation last year where you're expecting a little bit more, but he's coming back from the knee. How much do you think that you have there? So if you're not resigning Leighton Vanderash, who are you spending money on at linebacker? Because you need somebody. You want to keep Mike at edge. So um, I would say that those would be at the top. And then everybody else kind of just falls into place for me. I mean, you know, you know, you'd love to have Carlos Watkins back and Jonathan Hankins, but those aren't guys that you should be breaking the bank for. Dante Fowler, that you shouldn't need to break break the bank to bring him back on, on, on a one-year deal. Um, Cooper Rush, if, if he doesn't get the offers that are out there that I think he will to – you know, offers to not only financially better than what the Cowboys would offer, but also a chance where, hey, you know, uh, this starter that's ahead of me, it's really not that great. I can end up, be, you know, by the end of the season, I might be the starter on this team, you know, finding a better situation. So, I mean, yeah, there's some players that stand out, but there's, I don't think there's anybody out of these free agents outside of Tony Pollard, who they gave the tag that they're just like, we cannot go forward without them. Because You're if they did they, they, that Brett Maher is not one of those people for the Cowboys yeah. right now. You are telling me that and breaking my heart, John. You're really telling me that. Yeah, I think there's a less than one percent <laughs> chance that Brett Maher is back next year, and it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of crazy because of the fact that it really. I understand it was in a in a huge game, but he really only had one bad game. But yeah, they just that's one name that I will say they just man they just they have closed the door on that. They don't even seem interested in that idea. So yeah, finding another kicker. Good luck with that. Here. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Bank is officially empty with that one. I was yeah. gonna say, have KT find another uh, Jonathan Garibay. That'd Oof. be uh, <laughs> he'll. I don't think he'll ever live that down. Swinging a miss. Yeah. What's Dan no, Bailey we're, doing? We're not gonna days? let him. Does anyone know? Dan What's Bailey. That? What's Dan Bailey doing these days? Anyone know? They could possibly <laughs> bring him in for a workout. See what he's got. It. See what he's got going on. Um. Yeah. They. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I feel like I took Dan Bailey for granted, but for early in my career covering the team, it was. You just kind of was automatic. You knew what you had at kicker, and these last three or four years, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster. And I don't I don't think that this upcoming year is going to be any different. Like, there's no clear cut guy that I see them adding where you're just like, oh, well, those uh, those roller coaster days are done. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, more drama in Oxnard for you guys to <laughs> to watch the kicker special team section. Yeah. Uh, I you know we were talking about combine and and the draft and free agency. I think we're reaching a point now where it, it, it's heading towards a turning point with the franchise. Like you're either going to go to the NFC championship or you might have to start over next year. And to me, I look at that as, you know, what's the, what's the most important thing for them to hit, you know, this season, is it free agency with maybe either bringing back some of their guys or getting really good value at whoever they bring in, or is it really hitting a home run in the draft? And, you know, I don't know which way, I mean, of course you want to hit on both, but it just seems like that if you hit on free agency, that's like a win now, like you want to get to the Super Bowl. but if it's more draft and develop, that might be, well, like you mentioned, we win 12 uh, wins, you know, two years in a row. We just want to keep the ball rolling. Where do you think that the Cowboys need to really hit a home run? Just with the way it's built right now, I think it's got to be the draft just because it is such a draft and develop the way that they've they've set everything up. It just there's a part of me that wonders, like you, you can keep having good drafts, but does it push you far enough out? So all of a sudden now you're now you're filling in like you've you filled this hole and filled this hole. And now all of a sudden now Zach Martin's retiring. Tyron Smith's like, you know, and like you didn't maximize the window when you had those players, you know, um, a lot of people like to talk about the You know, oh, they didn't maximize you know, Dak's rookie window, like in terms of the contracts and things like that. Well, I've completely moved on to that because I'm in the, 
you got to capitalize on the Micah window right now because, again, he's going to get a huge contract. That's not going to be – there's no, not going to be any hometown discounts there. He's going to become the highest-paid player in the NFL. So um, you have to keep drafting well because they're not going to be able to – uh, they're not going to be able to fill those holes with any notable free agents. Now, the one thing that I will say, I give a lot of credit to Dan Quinn and the scouting staff because they're obviously been lockstep to be able to find some of these guys. Like I'm not sitting here saying that Anthony Barr has been was anything outstanding, but to find him when they did, you know, I mean, right before training camp, adding him in there, adding Hankins, uh, you know, getting J. Ron Curse on, on a really affordable deal, and he's been such a huge part for that defense. Malik Hooker, like some of the players that they've added that it hasn't cost very much. I thought that's been impressive to kind of marry that to the draft process, you know? And so I just don't get a sense that they're going to change that. So, you know, like you look at the Eagles, the way they built that roster last year, the Eagles haven't drafted as well as the Cowboys. So they had some more holes that they had to fill right away. And they, they filled them very aggressively, whether you're talking about with the draft day trade for AJ Brown, or you're talking about right before the season starts, they had Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I mean, they, they, did a great job of being aggressive, filling those. And the Cowboys just haven't been like that. And so, and I'm fine with that. They draft better. That's fine. But can you give me one, maybe two, like notable moves like that, that, hey, it's not just adding talent to me to a certain point. It's the also, you're also sending a message to the rest of your team. Like, oh, damn, we just made, wow. Yeah, they're not messing around. Like this, absolutely. Like we really do feel like this is, this is the team this year. And, and, they just added this guy like this is clear, like we're going for it, you know, and and I almost feel like after the last two years, the way they've come up short, they almost need something like that to kind of, you know, just enter, you know, add some energy or, you know, inject something more into the locker room that just is a new type of spark or something. Um, but you also got to be careful, you know, because like I said, the T.O. thing, like that can also be something that tears the, the team apart. It's got to be the right guy. It's not easy, you know, um, but I just think you got to do a little bit more. Well, John, you are just such a book of knowledge and we loved having you on. Is there anything else you wanted to make sure to add about the combine, the draft, free agency, uh, Tony Pollard's now franchise tag that you didn't get to mention? Yeah, no, um, I think we covered just about all of it. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy from the combine. Um, you know, I, you go out there sometimes hoping that there'll be a little bit different perspective. Like I was just talking about, but it sounded like it was going to be same old. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I covered this team and and I get to the point now where I started covering them in 2011. And so I just really would like to cover this team, making a deep playoff run, getting to a super bowl and not even really like, obviously there's players on the team that I, you know, I like being around. They're good dudes. I'd love to see the team win for those guys, but more so just for the fan base. Cause I, I just really, you know, I grew up watching football like in the nineties. That's when I first fell in love with it. And the Cowboys were just rolling. And so, and I knew that from afar, obviously being in Detroit, I've just always wanted to see what it'd be like. And I've gotten some small glimpses. I mean, there's been some moments, you know, uh, obviously this year, I mean, heck after that Tampa Bay win, you know, ending Tom Brady's career, you know, there were some moments there with Jerry after the game and Dak where, you know, you could tell they were really feeling it. And you're just like, man, this is, this would be crazy for them to win two or three more of these games and just how crazy it would get. Um, so I don't know, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but, um, I would, I would have serious FOMO if I took on another job and this team ended up winning a Super Bowl and, and I wasn't covering it. I would, I would, I would, that would really bother me. 
it would bother all of us for you. And that's not going to happen. We're going to manifest that while you're covering the Cowboys, they're going to win uh, another three Super Bowls, not just one. We'll be a little greedy here. But where can everybody follow you and see your work and listen to your podcast? Put your shameless plug in for all that you do. Yeah, on Twitter, at John Machota, J-O-N-M-A-C-H-O-T-A. And then on The Athletic, I mean, um, I think a subscription right now, The Athletic, is like $1.99 a month. Uh, it's usually around that or a dollar, so it's not very expensive. So definitely would appreciate uh, anybody getting a sub. Um, and, uh, we, yeah, we do a podcast uh, once a week in the off season, twice a week, sometimes three times a week um, during the uh, regular season uh, called About Them Cowboys. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'm just follow me on Twitter. I, I probably tweet too much, but, and also I just tweet probably 99% cowboy stuff. So I'm not going to beat you down too much with just a random, uh, you know, my take on a Duke North Carolina game. So like, like so many others like to do. Uh, so yeah, if you're a diehard Cowboys fan, yeah, definitely, definitely give me a follow. Uh, definitely. And I know John is a great follow. Um, again, you know, somebody that you should, if, if you're a fan of the Cowboys, you have to read all of his stuff. So get your athletic subscription, um, follow all of his stuff. I mean, it, listen, you don't, if you are a fan of the Cowboys, you know who he is. You probably already have a subscription, but if you don't refer a friend, do it anyway. Refer all the Eagles fans, refer all of your Eagles fan friends to go (laughs) and uh, read all of John's work. But thank you, John, for coming on with us. Um, Thank you, Brandon. Brandon, where can the people find you if they aren't following you already, which they should be if they're listening to us for an hour every week? Yeah, it's at Brandon is right. Again, Jess and I are very punny, uh, as we like to say. So it's W-R-I-T-E at the end of the tag. Um, Not right like I usually am with some of my takes. You know, we put our GM hat in the past few weeks on uh, for our previous podcast. I think we nailed a few of them. Um, So we'll see how that that wraps up as free agency takes hold next week. But yeah, at Brandon is right. W-R-I-T-E. And I think you are right that we are punny. I will say that you are always right about that. You can follow me at Jess underscore on Twitter. As always, it is such a pleasure to be able to do this podcast. Have yourselves a fantastic rest of your day, and we will see you next week. 